Hey y'all, welcome to Shades of Brown, the podcast that discusses the ever-evolving and sometimes contradicting thoughts of a Black millennial. I'm your host, Allie B, and I'm so thankful that you're back with me for another episode. And if it's your first time listening, well, welcome, child. This week, I have one of my podcasting peers sharing her story with us. Her name is Peachy Williams, and she's the owner of The Right Mix, which specializes in brand, content, strategy, and design. She's also a writer and editor by trade. She's worked with huge brands to help them find brand voice, as well as help them develop huge campaigns and more. She's also the owner of the Freshman Phone Box brand, which includes the Freshman Phone Box, the HBCU Box, I'm HBCU, and the College Bound Corner. Before we start chatting with Peachy, though, let's get into the next segment, Rockin' with Bob. Who is Bob? Bob stands for Black-Owned Businesses. And this week's Bob highlight goes to Miel Organics. Miel Organics was created by Monique Rodriguez, a registered nurse, wife and mother of two girls who desired to share her healthy hair journey using products with organic ingredients to achieve amazing results. She knew the importance of knowing what is in your products and wanted to create healthier options for the whole family. The result is a brand that delivers to you natural and effective products. And I am a witness that they are effective. I have low porosity hair and I have not always found the best products for my hair type, um, but she has a line specifically for low porosity uh, and I absolutely love it. I have her Mangango oil line. I got her exfoliating shampoo, hydrating conditioner, and her moisturizing hair milk. And let me just tell you that I absolutely love it. She has products for all hair types. So check them out for your natural hair care needs. They are sold in stores. So check your local beauty supply store, check your local drugstore, and also check them out on their website at meoorganics.com so that you too can be rocking with Bob. All right, y'all, let's chat with Peachy. Let's unpack it. Hey, Peachy, welcome to Shades of Brown. How you doing? I am awesome. I am awesome. How are you? Despite circumstances, I am well. I'm thankful to still be here on this earth. How are you today? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm doing pretty good as, as best as I can be. We were just sharing how difficult it's been since finding out about Chadwick Bozeman's passing. Um, we This is the morning after we found out and it has been just really, really rough. But all things considered, I'm, I'm doing pretty well. That's good to hear. Yeah, so um, let's get into this conversation um, and talk about Black family dynamics. So could you share with us a bit about your background? Well, um, where do I begin? <laughs> um, so I came from a family. I, I never knew my dad. My mom married someone else. And um, I have two sides of the coin with my family. You know, I had a, a part of my family that was very affluent. Um, my mom decided to go with someone who was not. And um, looking back now, maybe I know that he was in the military. He had gone to the military. Maybe he had some PS PTSD or something, but it was just a very interesting experience. So I guess I can talk from the haves and the have nots, <laughs> both sides of the coin. And coming up in a black family and seeing both sides is just amazing night and day. And so I guess I can relate to a lot of the stereotypes people have um, when you're in a black family that has money or, you know, wealth, power, 
and then how they could potentially look down upon the black family that doesn't have as much, but they still have the same bright people in the family. They just don't have the same opportunities afforded to them. And a lot of times I find that while we're talking about white people and white, white influence and, you know, things of that nature in the black community, you know, sometimes we go through the same exact things and it's not, you know, the white privilege, but we also have a form of black privilege that a lot of times goes ignored. Yeah, that that is absolutely true. So um, it's interesting you say that you've never known your father. Is that still true to this day? Do you still have no, are you aware, unaware of, of who he is? Well, right now I don't know who he is. And it's so weird because my mom, and I will say that she's very selfish. And I know a lot of people, you know, get the side out. How can you say your mom is selfish? But just for things that have transpired over the years um, and we haven't really had a good relationship and I just never understood what her issues are and she would not tell me who my dad was no matter what. And so I decided to try and find out on myself. So I went to 23andMe and I have found one of my um, second cousins, but apparently it came up as a close relative. And so through that person, now everybody's taking tests on that side of the family to find out who my dad really is. So it's just a wonderful feeling because they have embraced me with open arms. The quest is to find out who is my dad. The one person they thought was my dad, we took the test and he's not my dad, he's my cousin. But, um, you know, they're after COVID, they're trying to set up a reunion. They want to meet me and my kids. And um, it's just wonderful because finally, I think, I'm starting to feel like I belong. Mm. And for so many years, it was, what is the issue? What is the problem? What, you know, um, my mom just always treated me differently than my brother and my sister. And so I laugh about it and me and my friends laugh about it because, you know, in 1970, when I was born, that was the time of the flower children or whatever. So yeah. If you were loose, just say you were loose. <laughs> you know what I mean? We live in a society now where it's okay. And, yeah. you know, yeah. I'm not going to judge you. If you had a past, everybody has a past. So, yes. you know, and that, that goes back to me feeling like she's just being selfish. She's just being spiteful. And, you know, a lot of it, I, I think is because, I think a lot of it is because she has issues within herself, demons within herself that she has to deal with that have nothing to do with me. And I think to a certain extent, she's a little bit resentful for the rest of the family. You know, my uncle, my aunt, you know, they went away to school, very affluent. They had great careers, but she chose a different path. But I think that you can't judge somebody based on the path that they chose. If someone chooses to revel in excellence, if someone chooses that path that they want to do better for themselves, you can't hold it against them because you choose something different. We all have the freedom of choice. Yes. And so this thing is just crazy, but I'm hoping and praying, you know, by the end of 2020 that I will know who my dad is. And I'm just really excited. And unfortunately, they're starting to think that my dad was one of the cousins who passed away. Mm. Um, and I hope not, but he does have children. So they're actually taking the test now to see if one of them is my brother or my sister. Wow. 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 
I love so much um, that they have embraced you in a way that they're like, girl, we're going to figure this out. We got you. That is so incredible. Um, you begin to speak about um, your relationship with your mom. And I'd like for you to expound a bit on that and how it affected you. And I can tell just by the little that you've shared already that you've already begun to process in a very well-rounded way um, your mother, mother-daughter relationship and you knowing that um, even though you've been affected, a lot of that comes from her own issues. But can you speak to how um, your relationship with your mom has affected you and the way you do life and the way you live and the way you have seen yourself over the years, like all of those things? How has your relationship with your mom affected you? Well, a lot of times things happen and you don't realize it's from things that have happened to you as a child. And as I get older, I begin to realize that um, what happened in my mom's house affected me so much that throughout my life, I think I had depression. I think I lived half my life with depression and I didn't even know it. Almost like a functioning depression. And it comes out in different ways. You know, your house can be spotless, but your room is very messy. Or you binge eat. Or, you know, for me, I couldn't, um, I couldn't go to sleep without a light on for a long time. Um, it took me years to um, wash my own hair because I was scared to get into the water. And, you know, that was a situation where my mom was in a very abusive marriage with this man. And she stayed with him until he died. But just the different things that he did just were despicable, not just to her, you know, at one point they were on drugs and stuff, but the things that he did to me and she allowed kind of mess with me and my psyche. And so I, I see that um, my anger, I've had anger come out in the craziest ways, you know, um, it takes a lot to get me angry and people would wonder like, how does she take so much? How does she take so much? How does she take so much? But when you're in a situation where, where you're forced to deal with things, you kind of adopt nerves of steel to a certain extent until someone really pops it. So it takes a lot to get me angry, but when I'm there, there's no holding back. And I, I, I do believe that's half of, because of rage that formed as a child. I understand my mom, she was very smart, brilliant. And I'll say she's a brilliant person, but she just really, um, my sister still lives with her now and my sister's in her thirties. Um, I have a brother. And so they are from her husband. So of course they get treated differently than me. <laughs> Crazy. Um, my family, the other side of my family, you know, those were the ones who took care of me. But I'm fortunate because my godmother took me under her wing. And so that's who I call my mom. And it's so crazy because even in this, this conversation is crazy, but just little things like on Facebook, my mom will talk rave about my sister. A lot of times people didn't even know she had a daughter, you know, but I'm the daughter that went to school and got all these degrees, you know, I have the business and all this. My siblings don't have that, but I'm the one that's ostracized. It's so weird to me. And it's almost like 
someone asked me one time, is she jealous because she you're everything that she's not? And a lot, a lot of times I know people don't like to think of their parents as that. You know, people say, oh, your parent can never be jealous of you. That's a lie because I've seen it over and over and over and over in the black community. And it's scary because it's like, you created me. So why would you, you know, I know a lot of times parents want to live vicariously through their children. You know, that's a whole nother thing. But then you have these other parents who feel like they missed out on certain things. And then when you attain them, they have a problem with you. Um, I wish that she were different, but it's just got to the point now where my godmother, I consider her my mom. On her birthday, I'm the one who said happy birthday, mom, you know, um, my yeah. god sister and all of us. And I'm okay with that. It took a long time for me to accept that um, she's the way she is. But I just pray for her because, and I wish she would get counseling. You know, you can only do so much. I've reached out to her. I've tried to call her and talk to her. It, it's like, I'm non-existent. Yeah. I even called and left a message that um, I we started the process. I'm looking for my dad. She put me on call block. I, you know, my sister wow. lives with her. And for years, my sister and I didn't have a relationship because of something. She kind of tried to break up that bond we had. We used to be close and then we didn't speak for years. And my sister's fiance is the one who kind of brought it back together. But what's so ironic is that when we started conversing, my sister realized that it was never me. I remember I opened one of my first offices for um, my business and I called her and I invited everybody. And it wasn't until years later when my sister and I started speaking and I said to her, I said, you know, you really hurt me when you didn't come to my grand opening. And my sister said, what are you talking about? So different things that I invite my sister to and her over the years, you know, my mother wouldn't even mention it. She wouldn't say anything. And so once me and my sister started talking again, my sister would have me come over because I have a, a little niece and my mother would go in the room. She would go in the bedroom. Like, I don't want to talk to her. I don't want to see her. Yeah. And so after a while, you just learn to deal with that person, who they are. And so yeah. for me, and I hate to say it, you know, I know if something happened to her, my sister would be devastated. I don't necessarily feel that that would happen to me because I can't be hurt over somebody I don't know. And I can mm -hmm. honestly say I don't know her. Like, I don't know her mm -hmm. as a person. I yeah. just can go by what I've seen. And it, it's hard to not make assumptions. And so I'm really, really trying in my life to just detach myself from it. Should I yeah. go get therapy for this? Probably, <laughs> you know, um, but I've been dealing with it for so long. It's almost like a functioning alcoholic. You just, yeah. you just like, it's the way that it is. But I do yeah. know that a lot of things that have happened over the years have been reflected in my behaviors and certain things that have affected me. And so mm -hmm. I would have to say, if I actually did go sit down and go to therapy, I would, I'm probably afraid of everything that would yeah. just, you know, because when you start pulling back the layers that you've been holding in for so many years and you start uncovering that stuff and, you know, it, it, it's it's hard. It's scary. And so I 
it is. It's very scary. And I don't know. I don't know what that process would even start to look like. And yeah. I think that's what scares me the most. It's the fear of the unknown. It's the fear of the unknown. And I say this often, so many of our Black families have normalized dysfunction. And because it's normalized, we're comfortable with it. We are comfortable in our own mess, in our own whatever, in our own traumas. We're comfortable in it. At least we know it. We're familiar, right? And whether it's ideal or not, We know it. We don't know what healing looks like. We don't know what that journey to freedom looks like. We don't know what's going to come with that. Because a lot of times healing in itself is traumatic. You know, peeling back those layers is hard work. So I feel you uh, when you say that. But also go see a a therapist. (laughs) I'm all about Jesus and therapy. Jesus and therapy. (laughs) Uh, Well, I have talked to, I have spoken to a therapist. um, and. It was hurtful. It was just the conversations, just the few conversations I had was just, it was hurtful. And it was a precursor for what was to, what's to come, you know? And we try and put things off, you know, and, I, you know, my schedule is very, very busy, but I do think it's important. I do think that we have, um, stigmatize therapy and I tell people all the time like it's okay to not be okay yes luckily I have a great support system you know my god sister and um two young ladies I call my sisters and I have real friends like they've been there all my life like since I was three years old so they know me they know me they've seen these issues they've seen the dysfunction you know and and granted everybody has a a dysfunction in their family it's just people's dysfunction is different yeah why and so luckily for me I've had that awesome I I love that so much um why do you think that emotional neglect and mental neglect is so common in our black families I think it's because and this stems from way before our time this is just something that we were taught to do instead of being able to say, I'm hurt and I'm not okay, people expect you to suck it up. You're okay. You're going to be okay. When you get, you know, back in the day, you used to get a beating and then somebody will say, be quiet. I'm, oh, I'm going to give you something else to cry for or stop crying. You know, how are you going to stop crying? You just hit me and it's stinging, but you're telling me to be quiet. It is the like, craziest thing. It's yes, the craziest yes. thing. You just got yes. beat and then you get in trouble again for crying because of the beating. Like what? Make it make sense. Make it make sense. Right. And so those are the behaviors adopted and ingrained in us. And it's not by choice. It was something that we were given by force. So emotional instability is very rampant and you can see it a lot in black women because and let's just call a spade a spade we get with these guys who ain't about nothing and you give people chance after chance after chance after chance after chance almost like you need to be accepted almost like you need this form of acceptance no matter how bad it is until certainly a light bulb goes off and says i don't deserve this i don't need this i'm done but look how many times you go through it before you say I'm done. Yeah. You know, at one point, you know, years ago, people used to be like, what is wrong with you? Because I was one chance. That's it. 
And it was with anything, whether it was a guy, a girl, anything, mm-hmm. one chance. And that was it. I would change my phone number. I, listen, <laughs> and people used to be like, what is, you don't get people second chances. And for me, because of the fact that I think I had so much trauma in my early adoptive years, no, I didn't want to give you a second chance. I didn't mm-hmm. want to give you a third chance. I, you know, and, and for me, I will say, Maybe I should have stayed that way because as I started changing into, you know, talking things through or whatever, you find people come back and hurt you again. But on the flip side of that, people also do that because hurt people hurt people. Yeah. 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 And so when that happens, if the lines of communication are broken and you guys can't sit down like adults and just really talk about the real issues, not that you hurt me and you did this or whatever, but talk about the underlying issues. You never get to the the crux of the situation. And with the black family, you know, and I really, really wish that my mom actually would have done that to just sit down and say, okay, this is what's going on with me or this is what happened to me or this is the way that I am. A lot of times as parents, we don't take the time or parents in that generation never took the time to sit down and say, how are you feeling or how did I make you feel, you know, because of my shortcomings as a parent? Mm -hmm. How did this affect you? Mm -hmm. You know, and is there something that I could have done to make it better? Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I have taken from that situation with my mother, if nothing else, I try to be accepting of people where they are. Yeah. You know, you have to, if you really care about someone and you love someone and you just want to be a genuine person, which I'm all for being genuine and authentic. And a lot of times people have said to me, you know, well, I I consider the character flaw, but it's actually not because a lot of people are not like that. So that's why I used to consider it a character flaw. But one of my assets, I look at it as an asset now is my ability to just take people at face value and just, just be very, very helpful. People say I'm too helpful. Sometimes I'm too, I've heard so many times you're too nice. You're too nice, (laughs) but I live by the mantra, do unto others as you want them to do unto you. Yeah. Even if they hurt you, you still have to be the bigger person you may, they may hurt you to the point where you can't deal with them and you love them from a distance, but at least you know that you tried to do the right thing from the beginning, from yeah. the onset, at least when they look back over time. And I've had people actually come apologize to me, but when you look back over time, you say, wow, that was a genuine person in my life. Or that was someone who really tried to help me. I wish I had, I wish I had gotten those skills or that ingrained in me for my mom. And I can honestly say that I didn't. And it does it hurt. Absolutely. But what can I do? That goes into um, perfectly into my next question. How do you balance having the pain of family wounds, but still being present in their lives or still allowing them to be present in your life? Because we've been taught family is everything, blood stick it in water, and you don't ever give up on your family. And and in so many ways, pretty much taught like whatever happens, that's your family doesn't matter. So stick with them. How do you balance that idea with such deep-rooted trauma? <laughs> That's an interesting question. Um, For me, I don't. I was never taught family is everything. 
um, the dysfunction, my dysfunction, my dysfunctional family came early on in my years. So you have family members who come together sometimes and then other times they're skewed, mm-hmm. come together, then they're skewed. This one talking about this one, this one talking about this one. Um, my uncle estranged himself from the family, you know, to a certain extent. And, and everybody should say, well, he thinks he's better than everybody because he has money. And, you know, all these things to me, family is family. For me, family is family. Do we go through things? Do I go through things with my children? My oldest, especially, yes. But at the end of the day, if something happened or she needed me, I'm going to be there. I cannot say that. Like, I could not call my mom today and say, I need this. She wouldn't even answer the phone. Do I believe that family is everything? I believe that people are putting your lives to teach you something or to be a covering. But that doesn't necessarily mean that's your blood family. My family is not my blood. I'll say I'll say that my family, the people who have been there for me and my foundation are not my blood. And they, you know, they have proven over time they are there down for whatever, you know. And so I'm like that with them. Is it traumatic? It can be for me. It took a long time for me to process like the dysfunction in my family and how deep rooted it is. When my grandmother passed, that was it. It was almost like she was the fiber that held everything together. My grandfather, to a certain extent, he did, but, you know, he let drama go on. So it was like, whatever. Can it be traumatic? Absolutely. I think God puts people in your lives to kind of fill that void. He knew that I was going to need a family and I didn't get it from my own. So... He put those people in my life, like early, three years old, that I have grown up with to be my family. So I'm very, very grateful for that. And for people who don't have that and are experiencing that family trauma, you know, I would hope that they can find an outlet or, again, get therapy. But there is, there has to be somebody, at least that one person from back in the day that, you know, I've just been fortunate because I have a circle but most people don't. Most people don't have best friends that they've known since they were three years old. Yeah. I'm rare. Shout out to all the chosen families. It's something so special about the people that come in our lives that are not blood related, but um, that means nothing because they have proven themselves time and time again that they are for us, uh, regardless of um, who we are and regardless of all of our flaws, they are for us. So. Shout out to all the friends and all the circles and our tribes that um, ride for us. It's, it's so special. So, so, so special. Um, so you've mentioned that you have children of your own. Um, how intentional are you in regards to how you parent about breaking generational patterns to ensure you're not repeating with another generation what you were brought up in? Ooh, that's a deep question. <laughs> um well, my oldest daughter, I had her when I was young, younger, very, very young. Um, so our relationship is a little different from the relationship I have with my son and my other daughter. With my youngest daughter, I'm very, very, very intentional. With my oldest daughter, I feel like we kind of grew up together. And so when that occurs, you make a lot of mistakes. And then based on her generation and the things that they like, 
and the things that they do, you know, I don't agree with a lot of those things. And so, you know, she'll, there's some things that she's done that I have not agreed with. And so we would stop speaking for a minute and then we'll start speaking again. Now, one thing I will say is that even though that happens, and I know people do that every day, but sometimes we should not. So I try and be intentional and if it's a day or two or whatever, I'll pick up the phone or she'll pick up the phone. You know, there's not a long time that goes by that we don't speak because it's very important. Life is so short. And with so many things occurring in our lifetimes now, I think people are being more intentional about reaching out to the people that matter to them. That saying, give somebody their flowers while they're still here means so much yes. to me now. It means yes. it means so much to me, way more than it meant to me maybe five years ago. Yeah. Um, I'm a I'm a widow. Um, their father got killed when they were little. So it was I had that difficulty of being a young mother, raising, you know, young children, and then trying to figure it out. So the generational curses. They're very real in families, but I try to make sure that it's not in my family. One of the things that I really try to impress upon my kids, you know, traditional holidays and, you know, Thanksgiving together, Christmas together and, you know, Mother's Day. And but now I just feel like every day is a Mother's Day. Every day is a holiday. Every day that you're living is a, a holiday. But growing up, they knew like there is no question. Every Sunday we would have dinner. Every, you know, every couple of months we had to all get together. Family photos, all of that stuff. So I guess to a certain extent, I wanted my children to have what I didn't have Mm -hmm. in terms of a mom. Is the generational curse broken? To a certain extent, yes. But I think we all have those underlying curses that sometimes have nothing whatsoever to do with us. Sometimes those curses come back around due to somebody else in the family and you're affected and you don't even realize that, you know, it's affecting you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, It's so true about the things that a lot of times it has nothing to do with us, yet it's affecting us. Um, And unfortunately, it then becomes our responsibility to deal with it. You know, Um, there's this quote that says something like generational patterns or generational curses or whatever. It's something about generational cycles they go through every generation until someone stops to feel it to actually feel it and then heal it and I think a lot of a lot of my generation is doing that it's like okay enough is enough we we don't want to continue repeating um the cycles of past because all of them haven't been healthy some of them have some of them are beautiful the things that we've passed down but not all of them and I think it's uh, critical that we stop to analyze Um, the why behind some of the ways we function. Uh, So what are some ways we can promote a legacy of health and wholeness in Black families so that for the future, we're not birthing brokenness? Woo! (laughs) Um, Okay. I would say the first thing, and that, that is such a valuable question that most people don't ask. So I thank you for that. I think the first way is communication. We have to learn how to communicate with each other better. I don't care if it's your kid. I don't care if it's your sister. I don't care if it's your parent. We have to learn how to communicate. One of the things 
and I, you know, I'm black, so I can't speak for any other culture. But one of the things is, you know, I've, I've seen in a lot of black families, they don't sit down and just talk about the issues. And then you add on to the fact that we work so much, a lot of time, you know, you have your kids in activities, you're working. So everybody's like zipping through the house, zipping through the house. You never really sit down and talk. One of the things with the pandemic, and I, I have told people in our College Bound Corner Facebook group, it's number one, it's okay to not be okay, but this corona has made it okay for people to learn them their families again and learn who they are. Yes. This has given people time to learn their families, learn stuff about your family that you didn't know. This is time to spend quality time, play games you know, talk about thoughts, feelings, dreams. A lot of times kids go through an entire 12 years of high school and their parents can't tell you what they want to do or who they want to be or things that they like or the different nuances because so much pressure has been put on. You have to do well, but you don't, you don't tell me why. Parents say, oh, you need to make A's but you never say why I need to make A's or you never say why not having an A is unacceptable. You have these kids stressing out because they come home with a C, your parents freaking out. You're having the anxiety attack because you made this C, but you don't even know why it's not acceptable for you to have a C. Yeah. Communication is the number one thing for everything. It, it will help our mental health. It will build us emotionally and it helps us function better. Yes. And I think that's one of the things that that's lacking in so many of our black families today. Yes. Oh. Communication. Oh, I love that so much. I we I we only have like two more minutes left, but man, that right there is everything. You know, when we when we just say do it, do as I say, we create robots, right? We create robots that are taught to obey. And obedience isn't always healthy, you know, <laughs> that can lead us into a whole kind of, as we see the kind of world we're living in right now, you, let's, let's question some stuff. Why, 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 you know, um, and, and I, I couldn't agree more, you know, expressing um, the reason behind our expectations, the reason behind why we say there's this standard of excellence when it comes to education. There's this standard of excellence when it comes to behavior. There's a standard of excellence when it comes to faith and religion, like express those things. Cause otherwise you're just creating these robots who just do, do, do with no substance. And then as we get older, we realize I got a void. Let's deal with this. And that's where that tra those traumas begin to create and come up. So yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Communicate, 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 communicate. And I um I just recently posted this thing that said um it said children questioning rules and traditions you expect them to automatically follow is a sign of intelligence, not trouble. Lose the idea that unquestioned obedience is a sign of goodness. No, that's just a person who never thinks for themselves and making them easy to manipulate. And I thought that was so profound because when you're just pushed to just do and obey, you end up not being able to think for yourself. And that's not a well-rounded person. So I think that is a key, that is a major key in making sure we leave a legacy of health 
and wholeness for the Black families that are to come behind us. So thank you for saying that. You're welcome. And I did see that post and I, I liked it because it, it's absolutely true. We just, we need to find more ways to be able to connect with each other on every level. Children should not be scared to go tell their parents, look, I'm thinking, I like this person. I'm thinking about having sex with them. A lot of times people just, kids just do it. Or I'm thinking about smoking weed. What do you think? I think if we were able to have more open and honest conversations, a lot of times the consequences or the situations wouldn't escalate the way that they do. Yeah, agree, agree. Let's for for a good one, two minutes, let's talk about some of the the beauties of, of the Black family dynamic because th- this topic is very heavy. But there's there's so many amazing things about the black family, even if it's like, you know, down to uh, the foods we eat and how like (laughs) simple things like Kool-Aid being a staple in our families. Right. Like that's something that's ours. Right. Or playing spades. And, you know, (laughs) for for outsiders, they could think that, you know, well, this is this looks a little bit violent or dangerous. Like, no, 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 man. Like this is just how it is. Right. Like the. The, the smack talking and the the car throwing or or uh getting around Peach you know cobbler banana pudding yeah family yeah. reunions um house parties all of it get together everybody you know the black family is amazing and yes. we don't get enough credit because the black family first of all one time for black love hello That's first of all hello second of all the Black family is so resilient. You know, I remember my cousins, and I was really, really small, but they didn't have sparklers, and they took some Brillo pads and lit them on fire for July 4th. <laughs> we make, yes, crazy stuff, but Black families and, and Black people are able to make something out of nothing, yes. and it becomes something amazing. Yes. And I don't care what anybody what anybody else says. You know, this country and a lot of these inventions were built off the brilliance of the black family. Yes, our black boys and black men are amazing. Yes. Our black women are amazing, and they're more than just rocks. They're more than just the foundation. But black women have their own essence of brilliance, Hello. and so. When you put all that together in the melting pot, melting pot, you have something wonderful. Black families are known for taking in people and making them their own. You can go down the street and not have food and somebody's going to say, you want a plate? Mm-hmm. You know, black families do things like that. Black families are used to coming together for the culture. Yes. And... I need this generation to understand how powerful the Black family is. Yes. A lot of times people are trying to dismantle the Black family. You see that every day. And I I wish more Black people would recognize we are the foundation and the fiber of, of where we stand, where we live, who we are, and what everybody wants to be. Everybody wants to be like the Black family or the Black people or from our traditions, our clothes, our hair, no matter what it is, you better believe before jail, what was it? Grease and water? Yes. Jam. You know what I mean? Jam. Yes. 
Yeah, I remember um, I was watching some, a movie the other day and the girl dyed her hair with Kool-Aid. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But hey, you don't have hair dye. They used to dye their hair with Kool-Aid. So, you know, I look at these things and I laugh. But again, it's the ingenuity of Black people and a yeah. Black family. Yeah. Saying, Come on, girl. You could call your cousin, call your friend down the street. We're going to yeah. do this. You know, yeah. you didn't have a dress to wear. Somebody in that Black family. Somebody got you. That may not necessarily, correct, and may, may not necessarily be your immediate family, but somebody in your extended Black family is going to hook you up with some clothes to wear. Yes. That is the power of the Black family. And I just wish more people would recognize that the strength and power and resiliency and brilliance that we are. Yes. Because we are an amazing people. We are an amazing, amazing people. Absolutely. And though though our families will never be perfect, we will never be perfect. I just hope that we take this pride and match it with the energy we have to to move towards healing and wholeness because we are incredible. Oh my goodness, we are incredible. Our grandmas and, and granddads and uncles and cousins and godparents and TTs and aunts. We the black family is incredible. And I just want us to take all of that beauty and put that energy into um, creating a, a, a more beautiful legacy for the next generation. Um, so thank you so much for sharing your story. I appreciate you so much for coming on. This is some heavy stuff and I, I wish you the best. And I, I'm in agreement with you that you will find your father by the end of this year. I believe it. Oh, thank I believe you. it. Yes, yes, yes. So let's move into brownie points. Uh, we're going to give ourselves uh, some love and extra credit for something we've done that we're proud of recently. Could you share with us, Peachy, what you are giving yourself brownie points for? Huh. I'm giving myself brownie points. I was just featured in Voyage MIA for one of my businesses. And then I have an article coming out on Blavity in a couple of weeks. Awesome. On, on my business ventures. So I'll give myself brownie points. I must be doing something right. Hey. Yes. Yes. Class for you, sis. That is incredible. Please let us know when it comes out. I would love to share it. I'll first read it and then share it. So awesome. Um, I am giving myself brownie points for... Um, so last night when I found out about Chadwick Boseman's death, I was shook and I immediately began to get emotional and I just by default began to suppress, like, no, I don't know this man. Like, this is a celebrity. Like, why I'm feeling like this? I can't, I can't feel emotional about this. No, no, no. I'm just going to read the stuff and move on. And I had to stop myself in the moment. Like, wait, your feelings are valid. Your emotions are valid and you get to sit in those and you get to sit in that. And before I knew it, I was like bawling <laughs> and I literally cried myself to sleep last night. But I'm giving myself brownie points for allowing myself to feel because even though I tell folks to do that, a lot of times I don't give myself that same grace. Um, but yesterday, last night was a moment. And, and it's just been a very, very tough week with all that's been happening with Jacob Blake and the guy, Kyle, the the white supremacist who murdered protesters. And it's been a really, really heavy week. And I'm, I've been trying to just push through the emotions, push through, push through, because we're all so busy. We ain't got time to be sitting in this endless cycle of 2020 grief and trauma, you know, but last night was a tipping point and I'm like, okay, I got nothing left. I got, all I got is tears. That's all I have. So I'm giving myself brownie points for letting myself feel. And, and I commend you for that. You have to, you have to let yourself feel, um, 
I try to, well, I try to keep things on the upbeat, um, but it has been a very difficult week and I am somewhat of an empath. So I feel stuff um, and I take in other people's emotions and I take on other people's stuff. And so it's heavy. Um, it, it, oh, see, by the way, cry. Um, it, it just becomes so much. And a lot of times people don't even understand, like, why are you so sad? And it's just because just the weight of the world is on you. And I don't think we give enough. We don't give ourselves enough grace. So I'm glad that you were able to give yourself grace. But as a people, I don't think we give ourselves enough credit to recognize when we're hurting and it's okay. It's okay. Um, if one thing I would like for your listeners to take away is that um, it is definitely okay to not be okay. And just don't lose sight of who you are in everything. You know, if I had lost sight of who I was, especially dealing with the situation with my mom and all the trauma I experienced as a child, I would not be here. So you have to know who you are and whose you are in order to just continue on. So never lose sight of who you are and your past and people and things that have happened to you, they do not define you. You define who you are and just keep that with you. No matter what happens, you define who you are and you can help control your own destiny and legacy. Yes. Despite what's going on around you. Incredible. Thank you so, so, so much, Peachy. Please let my listeners know where they can find you on social media and share any other projects you're working on that you uh, want us to know about. Oh, gosh. Um, well, um, so I'm a writer by trade. Um, so I have the right mix, W-R-I-T-E-M-I-X-X.com. So um, I teach brand voice and I write for um, companies and I edit for publishing houses and things of that nature. But then I also have the Freshman Funbox brand, freshmanfunbox.com, which is a subscription box for college kids. And so we send um, care packages every single month. So we have Freshman Funbox in the HBCU box. So I'm all over the place. Awesome. <laughs> so you can find us on social media at The Right Mix at Freshman Funbox or the HBCU box. And thank you again so much for having me on your platform. Awesome. And I'll be sure to uh, share all of those um, pages when... Um, this episode releases. So you are incredible. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And um, this was awesome. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you again, Peachy, for coming on to share your story and for your transparency. So appreciate it. And thank you guys for tuning into another episode. I appreciate you hanging in there to the end. I know this content was heavy, um, but these conversations are so necessary to have for us to um, move towards a better place as a community because we all we got. Please remember, Black folks, you are enough. Regardless of your family dynamics, whether you have a healthy family structure or not, you, my dear, are enough. Your creation is so divine and I love me some you. So until the next episode, be healthy, be whole, be healed.